So let's begin. Let's ask the Lord to be with us. <clears throat> Father, we're here before you, God, all of us. You, you know each of our hearts. You know the weeks, the week we had. Um, you know uh, what's going on in our mind, our concerns, our worries, uh, the things, Lord, that we um, need to lay before your feet right now. So I just pray that you would cleanse our minds, Lord, from the things of the world right now, and that we would be solely focused on hearing from your word through Acts chapter 20 today, Lord, in the testimony of Paul. And so we just ask for you to be with us, and um, we just come before you, Lord, depending on your grace, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, here we are in Acts chapter 20, part two. So last week we started um, Acts 20, and we went, we were talking about Paul's third missionary journey, and we noticed that in the first Part of the book of Acts in chapter 20, the first part of chapter 20 of the book of Acts, there's a lot of, um, he, you know, going here, going there and sort of traveling around. We put the map up. And so Paul, does anybody remember where Paul's headed back to? And for what reason? <clears throat> From last week, anybody remember that? Hmm? Miletus. Yep. My lettuce. <laughs> Your lettuce. No, yep. Yeah, so he went from Miletus and he's on his way back to Jerusalem. And he's trying to get there before the Passover and or Pentecost, which are both celebrated. He has taken a vow, I believe. Um, He is on his way back there and he doesn't want to go into Ephesus, but he goes right by Ephesus and he goes to... um, Uh, Miletus, which is very close, and he calls the elders of the church together from Miletus. That's verse 17. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, this is verse 18, how I was with you the whole time serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, which came upon me through the plot of the Jews how I did not shrink from declaring to you that was profitable. I messed that up. I did not, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. I I love um, Paul's burden. He has a, he has a burden here, not only for the people that, that he's ministering to. He has a burden, you know, not only, you know, for the church, but his number one burden is that he was, he did not shrink back from declaring to them anything that was profitable as it relates to the scriptures. Um, he talks about this <clears throat> throughout. I want you to sort of uh, listen for this in this in this conversation that he's having here. He has a burden to be able, he has a burden so that the people know that he gave them, he basically gave them everything that he had as it relates to talking about the Lord and teaching them. And why do you think Paul's so burdened about that? Why do you think that's his burden? It's his calling. It's his calling? Yeah, absolutely. Is his calling anything? Anyone else? Well, I thought he he knows that he's called to be a 
Mm-hmm. He, had, he had less time and he wanted to really pass on the ministry. Yeah. And, and he, was, he didn't, I don't think he thought he was going to go forward. He's saying goodbye. They're not going to see him anymore. Yeah. Right? So he wanted to make sure that they will continue in the faith. That's a great point. I remember <clears throat> when I, um, well, this was probably about 10 years after I had gotten converted and we started to have children, my wife and I, and we had all of our kids were little, you know. Zoe and Ezra, would, maybe it was just born, or maybe even before that when it was just the three of them. Um, <clears throat> I was so concerned and worried that something would happen to me or my wife, mostly me. Um, not in a bad sense, just because, uh, you know, at the time I was teaching the Word of God. But I always had a, a burden that what happens if I pass and my kids don't, and I'm not able to, part, you know, to give them the full counsel of God, the, the, the Bible. And what if I, you know, leave and, 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 and I pass away first and, you know, they're getting mad at God, you know, because of this or who knows. And obviously we, we have to trust the Lord. <clears throat> but that was such a burden for me, so much so that I went out and I bought a journal. And I laugh because I, I go back and I read it now. And I, I, it's like a journal that I, hit, that I have hidden in my office still to this day with like pages and pages and pages of like counsel to my kids, you know, like, don't do this, do this, don't do that. You know, trust in the Lord because it was such a passion of mine. And to be able to communicate to them the precious words of scripture, the truth, it's the only thing. So I think, yes, Paul knows he's going to leave. I know that it is, it's his calling, but also he says it here, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and with trials which came upon me from the plot, but he still didn't shrink back from declaring to them and teaching them publicly and giving and everything that was profitable for them. And so I think we have to follow Paul's example there. And sometimes we, <clears throat> we get so used to, uh, you know, you, you, you learn this when you leave the tri-state area and you go out to an Italian restaurant, right? You know, you, you know that there's really no good Italian food <laughs> other than up here, right? I mean, I shouldn't say that. There's probably some good restaurants here and there. But you don't really, when we, we take it for granted, you know, all the, all, and all the amenities we have in our life, you know? We take it for granted until we're, we're, we're missing them and then we see how important it is. And I think we get that way with the Word of God. I think we get, we get so used to talking to each other about it and, you know, but we have to realize the power that this word has to be able to impact and change someone's life. It's actually the only thing that can truly impact somebody that's going to have the most impact on them in terms of eternity, their life, the value of their life. It's, if they don't get this, then they've missed everything else, no matter what else they have. And so I, I, I pray that God will give us that burden that Paul has here, that we would look at the people in our fellowship, we would look at our friends, our family, when we're out and we're talking about the word of God to realize what we have in our mouths, what we have in our hands is a life-changing thing that's an urgency. And so we have to, uh, I love Paul's uh, burden there to be able to do that, so... So he, again, so he says, you know, he testified to uh, Greeks and uh, Jews of repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 22, um, and now behold, bound in spirit, 
I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. And so I don't want to, we spent some time on this last week, but again, this is a, the reality of the situation. It's so important that we see the reality of the situation as it relates to our faith. <clears throat> Sometimes the Holy Spirit will guide us into trials and temptations and bonds and afflictions. And he will speak to us about that sometimes. We'll, you know, um, I, I don't like to be negative. And again, this is an interactive study and I, I'll share certain things with you guys personally that I may not share from the pulpit. But I have to tell you, I think we're headed for a, like a really, really difficult time in our world. I really do. I think we're headed uh, for... You know, obviously with what we have going on and with the inflation and all that stuff that's going on and with Russia and Ukraine, who knows what, what you know, what's coming up. <clears throat> but we know that Christianity is always, you know, the, the, the bad guy in the situation. And so, but that does not, that doesn't mean that we still don't have joy. It doesn't mean that we still don't like welcome it. God, whatever you have for me, we'll, you know, we'll do. But we have to be prepared. I think this is a really good um, lead into it. What Paul's doing is to get the word of God, ingrain it, make sure it's in your mind, make sure you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Don't wait for that up when that but those trials start to come to start to be prepared. Start now with the word of God, making that your your number one passion and your number one love, the word of God, Jesus Christ. He is the word. And so, and that's the summary um, pretty much of last week. And then the culmination of this is in verse 24, which is one of my favorite verses. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. What does he mean about that? I don't consider my life of any account as dear to myself. Is Paul just saying that, uh, is he believing in... um, is he just a negative guy? Is he just being a downer? Uh, what does he mean by that? Well, you just finished saying how the Holy Spirit has, was warning him of prison and hardship. But that doesn't deter him because he under, his comfort in his life is not necessarily of high value to him. Being, you know, not in prison, <laughs> avoiding yeah. prison and avoiding hardships are not, <clears throat> um, worth, you know, they're not more important to him than doing what he's being called to do. Yeah. He, it's not like he's, you know, a guy who just wants that, but he understands the greater thing, I think. Yeah. Is finishing what he's being called to do. Anyone else? Yeah. In Spanish, it's, Thanks. In, in Spanish it says, I don't esteem precious my life for myself like um belong everything he had belonged to the lord that was his attitude all i have is the lord's if he said i don't consider my life of any account as dear i don't like my life it'd be different but it's dear to himself see that's where we you know it's a tough balance because God wants us to love our bodies. He wants us, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to have goals. He wants us to have vision. He wants us to, you know, be educated. All that stuff is great. But unless we're doing it for the Lord, 
we end up getting off kilt. We end up being unbalanced. And so <clears throat> consider your life as a, as a vessel of the Holy Spirit, as a vessel of the Holy Spirit, right? It's, your life is in God's hand. Your life is not dear unto you. You're not holding on to it, right? And that, what Jesus said, he said, if you lose your life, you'll gain it. But he that tries to hold on to his life loses it. And so we have to really see what this, where individually we're at with this, about where we are as it relates to our life. How do you consider your life? Is it God's? Is every single decision of God? Is every single decision that you want, that you want to have to make, do you want God to be involved in that? If God tells you no when you want to do yes, <laughs> how do you handle that? That's all part of the sanctification process. It's not easy to do that. But this is what God's goal is, is to, is to not consider our life of, of, as dear at all as it relates to us, to myself. And why? <clears throat> because if we don't do that, we will not be able to finish our course. I love in the King James, they add with joy. I don't know why they don't put it in this. Maybe uh, it's in the, in the old Texas Receptus and not in this manuscripts, but it's uh, verse 24 of Acts 20. I don't consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course with joy. If you want to look at the King James and the New King James, I believe it's in there. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. So when we don't consider our life of any account as dear to ourself, that is, goes part and parcel with finishing our ministry for Jesus Christ. As soon as you start to count your life dear, I believe it's, excuse me, very difficult to finish your course that, the, that God has put you on, and especially to do it with joy. <clears throat> Did you find anything on that, Aunt? Were you going to make a comment? I'm looking it up. Okay. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. And again, this is, this is a little bit, in, you have to bring this in context because not all of us are as fortunate as Paul as having an encounter with the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> How cool. I always used to, Say, God, wouldn't it be great if you could just give us, you know, like two tickets that we could always just call on you to hear your voice and hear the answer to the question? I want to cash it in now. And, and, and what direction do you want me to go in in life, Lord? I just I, I just so want to hear your voice. <clears throat> and um, many times when I've prayed that desperate prayer of what, 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 Jesus has always said, I am the way. All right, Lord, it's very simple. It's very soft. Why are you so why you know why are you of so little faith? That's that's usually what I get. And you're right, Lord, you're in control of this. I, I, I don't have to have all the answers. I just have to sense and follow you according to your word. But Paul had an encounter with Christ, a, 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 a vision and an audible voice a couple times, but especially at his conversion. He got converted and then God said, here's what I have for you to do. You are going to be my mouth to the Jews, the Gentiles. You're going to speak before kings and rulers and you are going to go out there and you are going to preach. And God didn't start it right away. 
How long did it take Paul before he got into ministry? I mean, he started preaching right away, but then, <clears throat> excuse me, then he went away. And what, what did he do when he went away? And for how long? Does anybody remember? 14 years. Yeah, he was in 14 years. He went and the Lord, he says the Lord taught him everything during that 14 years. And so he, he even says, you know, I didn't go to the big shots, to the Peters and the Johns and say, here, you know, <clears throat> he went and God called him to go and wait. And like he did with Moses and he prepared him. <clears throat> and so then he went out to, to do the actual ministry that God had called him to do. So the, his ministry is to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And this is a very specific ministry, obviously, to the Jews and to the Gentiles at that time. And, whatever, and, and as we were going to see all, all the other things that he did. But what is your ministry? What is God calling you to do? Could you put your, <clears throat> your, your, yourself here? I don't consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to solemnly testify of the gospel of the grace of God? Is this just for preachers? Paulina? Mm-mm. <laughs> okay. I thought you were going to say something. Yeah, no, it's not. You see... <clears throat> This is the best news. The gospel means the good news. And the absolute best news about the gospel is not that you are going to heaven and it's not that you are um, you know, uh, gonna get saved from hell, although those are really cool to have. <laughs> it's not just that you're gonna live eternally with Christ and all that, that's fantastic. But the best news about the gospel is all of those things are out of God's love and grace. That's the best news about the gospel. <clears throat> you take grace out of the gospel and it's terrible news. I don't want to hear about having to follow the word of God without God's grace. I'll, I'll, I'll be miserable because I'll be a constant failure. I will, I will labor. I will burn out. I will be grumpy. I will be legalistic. I will be prideful. Why? Because it's all, it's, I have to do this. I have to follow this. Okay, well, I'm just going to go hide out in a, in a, in a monastery in a mountain in, in uh, India. And I'm just going to be, I'm going to just completely cut myself off from the world. I'm going to be strict. I'm going to fast and pray all day long. You'll be miserable without the grace of God to do that. Because you'll see that you will not be able to achieve what only the grace of God can achieve. And that is salvation, rescue. And then everything that I mentioned before becomes a joy because we know it's not us. So, <clears throat> what the, the, so again, the grace of God is a tough subject to talk about sometimes because you always, we have all these commands in scripture Okay, and we have all this, you know, uh, talk about being obedient to the, to the Lord. And we have the Old Testament, which gives us a whole other perspective on that. But then again, God says this grace is it means that you can do absolutely nothing. Even your faith that you have is a gift from God. Because at least if we said, 
you know, the grace of God is great and that's good. And, and you just have to have faith, right? We would say, oh, okay, so I'm just going to have to, I just have to really, really, really believe. And we do have to have faith. But if you really, really, really believe and you get stand before the Lord and he says to you, wow, yeah, you know, Elvira, you, you believed, you had faith, you did a good job. I, you know, I was going to, I gave you the grace, but only if you had the faith first and then you got it. And then Elvira now becomes in the place of God. If you really think about it, she saved herself. It's not, it's not how that works, right? And then let's say Paulina comes in next and stands next to, to God. And she did the same exact life as Elvira, but she didn't have the faith. Elvira says to her, you should have been like me. You should have had that faith. What's that? No, I'm not. I'm trying, but it's good when you pull people out because everybody listens. Is he going to talk about me now? No. Um, but seriously, it's even the faith, Right. And so when you think about faith, it's like Jesus said, as long as you have faith as a mustard seed. Wow. So really all I have to do, we get this picture of just of God's hand reaching down like this and us going, all right, I'm going to have faith and grabbing onto God. Now, there's an element of truth in that. Once you realize that it's God that made you alive by his grace, gave you the conduit of faith. And now you've reached out and grabbed. That's what it is. So it's got to start with grace. And it doesn't just start with grace. The gospel of the grace of God is the whole entire trip. It's the whole entire trip. <clears throat> and we're going to jump to verse 32 because we're going to go back. But I just want you to see this because this is sort of, I was going to make this point later, but it's better to make it now. So verse 32, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all who are sanctified. So the word of God's grace, what we just talked about, that builds us up and gives us the inheritance among all the rest of the people that have that same grace and inheritance who are getting... What's sanctification mean? Being made perfect, set apart. What's that? I'm sorry? Maturing in your faith. Anyone else? Yep, we're transforming more, transforming more and more into his image. Anybody else? What's that? Being holy, living a holier life. Yes, it's all, it's all great answers. Now think about it. Does sanctification happen when we first get saved? It starts. It starts. And God looks at us and positionally, we're sanctified in Christ when we get saved. But justification is a one-time thing that happens outside when we outside of our body. It's not, it doesn't affect us. It's a forensic legal declaration of not guilty. You are no longer guilty. You are justified. And we get justified by the faith that God gives us. You are justified by faith. Okay, now sanctification begins at that point 
But differently than justification, sanctification is something that happens in us. It's a synergistic relationship with Christ, sanctification. So there's a synergy there that we participate in our sanctification by doing all the things you just said, by by turning away from sin, living a more holy life, okay? Obeying God's commands, being set apart. We have the spirit in us. We're able to discern now. So God gives us the spirit in us and as a joint effort with the Holy Spirit, we are now sanctified. However, it says here, I commend to you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. This is uh, um, almost implying that the, our inheritance is going to come gradually. It's almost implied there because his grace is what? It's actively building us up and giving us the inheritance among all those who are sanctified, all those that are saved. So there's a balance here that I want you guys to to understand because this is so important when you're thinking about grace and as it relates to salvation. We always get into the arguments of, well, is, you know, the Arminian uh, argument, which says that God gives you the ability to choose. Okay, it's his common grace that gives you the ability to choose. All right, but then even though you still choose, in my opinion, that's still a work on your part. And then the more Calvinistic, reformed view is that man is dead in sin. He's not even able to choose. God's got to make him alive. And so there's where all the, the, the bickering always goes on between that. Do we have free will? Is God doing it? Well, if it's all God, then we're robots and we go into all these things. But we forget about this, that God is a God of here and now. God is a God of present reality. God is not a, a, this, you know, far off uh, deity that sort of wound up the world and let it go. And he's sort of looking back and watching it. No, he's here with us now. He's interacting with our sanctification. He's interacting all over, the, all over his creation. He's keeping all things and holding all things together. <clears throat> but he gives us the Holy Spirit, not just so we have that sign and seal and promise, but to work out this salvation in us. So I don't see the difficulty because I can't live one minute without God's grace and I can't live it as a Christian for one minute without God's grace. I can't become sanctified without God's grace. So it's all him, but he's using, just like he's building for the kingdom, using our hands, our feet, using our preaching. He's working in us as well, using us to bring us to that ultimate conclusion and inheritance, which is common among all those who are being sanctified. You guys, did did I explain that okay, Chris? Yeah, okay. Because I just want to, I want, if I forgot anything, anybody have any comments on that? Questions? Good. It's just so important to to realize. Yeah, Hubert. Yes. So the, the, the Roman Catholic doctrine of justification is sort of our doctrine of sanctification. So they believe you're working out your justification through the channels that the Catholic Church has provided. Penance, the sacraments, 
um, communion or, or you know, the, uh, the uh, Lord's Supper communion, transubstantiation and drinking, literally drinking, literally eating, literally re-sacrificing Jesus every week. That's why they have to go back to church. So that was all part of their justification. And at the end, you will be justified fully. And so they sort of don't really have a sanctification as it relates to the doctrine that we do. They sort of mesh it all together. Does that make sense? Anyone have comments on that? Ant, did you want to comment on that? No. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Hubert, because that's a good distinction to make. Um, and there's, there's sort of where the, the line is drawn, um, where I see, I don't doubt that there are some Roman Catholics that believe in Jesus Christ and have been saved and have been converted, but I don't... Um, I think the best way is that there's enough gospel in the Roman Catholic Church to save you and enough uh, untruth to, to send you to hell. So it's very a difficult balance, you know, with all due respect to any Roman Catholics that are listening or that are maybe here. I was a Roman Catholic my whole growing up, so I'm really, really familiar with it. But yeah, so, so anyway, to get back on track, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the gospel of the grace of God that Paul is so passionate about. Because it is absolutely the best news. And, and, and it's the one thing, it's the one glass of cold water in a room that is parched. It's the only, in a room with all bunch of, you know, um, sort of false um, ideas and untruths. We look at it, but it's, you may look like water, but you grab it and it's, it's poison. It's not, it's never going to save you. So this is why Paul is so I believe so passionate is because he really gets this and sees that he did. And he says it down here. Therefore, I testify to this day. I am innocent of the blood of all men. He says it again here. So this is the second or third time. And then verse 27, I didn't shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God, the whole purpose of God. See, that should be our fear. You know, going back to my story of being scared to leave my children without them knowing the, the word of God, right? You know, this should be our fear that we shrink back from declaring to people the whole purpose of God. And I see in Christianity today, we, we see that, you know, God is sort of like, a, and I don't like to slam other churches, and I'm not aiming at anything like this, but a lot of times what we hear from pulpits is sort of like a, the buffet mentality of Christianity and where we go up to the buffet and we pick what we like to eat, what we taste well to us, what digests well in our belly and makes us feel good and energized, and we skip some of the main things. And usually it's this end of the buffet, the desserts, you know, we like that, the stuff that really tastes good. You know, as a kid, you know, we don't want the meats. We don't want the vegetables. We don't want all the healthy stuff. We, we want to, you know, and we don't want to eat those anchovies and we don't want to have this because I don't like that. And so a lot of times what happens is people, I think, shrink back by focusing too much on just the good stuff. I shouldn't even say just the good stuff. It's all the good stuff. But the stuff that is makes people doesn't offend anyone, um, you know, makes people feel happy. So the, when they come to church, 
I mean, you know, I, it, was a, it wasn't a bad message. I mean, I could have been better here. The worship could have been this. The worship could have, or that person, you know, should have said hi to me. Can you believe they didn't look at me? And, you know, we get all caught up. <clears throat> and I believe it starts from the pulpit. And so we have to be able, we, our biggest fear should be that we didn't give people that whole counsel of God or the whole purpose of God. And that means preaching. That's why I love preaching through the scriptures and let the scriptures do the teaching. Let the scriptures pick the topics. Let the scriptures, you know, we, could, we have the ability to, to, to extract certain things out of any text, but that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. And so we, we have to be led to teach people the right thing, but don't shrink back because you don't want blood on your hands, right? And, and, and I, I, it happens so many times, you know. I'll, I'll have an opportunity to talk with somebody and I just, just didn't, I chickened out, you know, just chickened out. Should have said something or should have mentioned this or should have gave him a track or, or even uh, from the pulpit, you know. It's very easy to talk about certain things and leave other things out, but God wants us to consume all of the word of God. And that's what's going to bring us to our destination. And, and of course, he's, he is talking to the elders here. He says here in verse 28, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. You see, so as a pastor and as a ministry leader, if you're in ministry, you are held to a higher account than everyone else. So when you are when you hear from a ministry leader or hear from a pastor, a word of warning or an admonition, sometimes we don't do things the right way. Sometimes we say them in the wrong tone and sometimes we're a little too excited and full of ourselves, and we go off you know, where we shouldn't or we say things that we shouldn't. But for the most part, as people, and, I, and I'm speaking to myself too, to the other elders and the other brothers that I'm accountable to, you know, their main, our main goal as a shepherd is to keep out anything that will harm you from a spiritual perspective, right? So when wolves come in dressed as sheep, the shepherd's job is to protect the flock, okay? And so that you have to, you have to keep that in mind when you are receiving from your leaders and your elders because they're here to protect you your overseers of the church of God, which Jesus purchased with his own blood. That's pretty, you know, pretty serious thing that you're dealing with here. You know, Jesus, I, I would be so fearful if the Lord said, you know, I gave you Randy, I purchased Randy with my own blood, Pat. Why did you shrink back from giving him the whole counsel of God or Hubert or Debbie or whoever? You know, my kids know not to go into my gym and mess with anything. I purchased that with my own money and it's my favorite room in the house. Don't mess with it. My whole house is a mess, but the gym is perfectly clean and it's, it's a little grimy, but it adds to the whole thing. 
I remember growing up, my father, you know, he saved up. He bought himself a Corvette in 1984. He washed it and waxed it every single week. And, you know, no one was allowed to go with it, you know. And it's like, hey, man, that's dad's car, you know. It's, and so to give you the picture of what God, how God looks at you and how he looks at us, you're precious to him because he spilled his blood for you. He purchased you. And so, as an, so God puts in overseers and leaders to protect you. You know, and uh, and you won't hear about it all the time, you know, but, you know, there was uh, I I remember, you know, not too far back, someone came in the church and started putting all these tracks around that were from a cult, from a different church, from a complete, you know. And so the Lord convicted me because I said, you know, I wonder if she put them upstairs. So it was a Monday and I just felt it on my heart to go to the church because you don't I said, oh, I'll be there on Wednesday. But no, like, what if Vivian walks in the church because she keeps this place clean and neat for us, and she picks up one of those, and she brings it in her car, and then her, one of their kids picks it up, Aquia picks it up, and she's, re- no, I said, I got to go there and make sure they're all gone because this is what God has called me to do, to protect. That's a very simple example. But what does he say? He says here, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Okay? You don't ever see a wolf going into a shepherd's pen going, yeah, I'm not going to eat today. I'm not going to. No, it's, he's going to go in and not spare any. He's going in the hen house. He's destroying everything. And from your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. <clears throat> and that's what you have to hold me accountable to as a pastor. If I ever start drawing disciples after myself, now, I, now obviously I'm not going to say, oh, you know, come and follow me, I'm whatever. But, you, you know, if you come in here one week and, it's, and the, the lights are really dim and, um, you know, there's like strobe lights going over here and this, the pulpit's real smoky and, pa- and uh, Pastor Chris, Elder Chris comes out and says, you know, Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce to you our pastor, you know, and uh, I come out and uh, then I want you to leave. <laughs> See, Chris would be, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, right. If I start looking too jiggy, you know, I start wearing all these, you know, flashy suits. It's just a promotional video on the internet. Yeah, that's right, yeah, right. But drawing after themselves, you know, that's what a lot of people do when they don't preach on sin, when they don't want to talk about difficult things, when they come up through the scriptures, they don't want to deal with difficult things. People are really drawing people after themselves because they don't want them to lose them or to say something that, but when you just preach the word of God, it takes care of it. However, we have to all be on guard from this because they're going to be from within. And it's not like there's people going, oh, I'm going to go in there, although there may be. But it's usually we get, we get pulled away and we go after strange doctrines. Like Paul says, don't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. He was giving that to Timothy, that advice. And so we have to make sure that we protect, we keep a lookout for each other. And when we do see people speaking perverse things, drawing away, we have to address that and keep them on track. Because I think that we, we can turn them. Uh, with the right with the right words from the Lord, so be on the alert. Verse thirty one. Here we go again. <clears throat> Paul, his passion, 
Remembering that night and day for a period of three years. Remember, he was in Ephesus for three years teaching. <clears throat> I did not cease to admonish each, of one, each one of you with tears. And again, we already covered this. And now I commend to you God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands minister to my own needs and to the men who were with me in everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it's more blessed to give than receive. And so this is a spirit that we need to have in our churches throughout Christendom. We have to be, have a spirit of, of going after the lost, yes, but even after the weak, after the poor, and to give of ourselves, to give our money, to give ourselves, to give our time. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they began to weep aloud and embraced Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they were accompanying him to the ship. So Paul's passion, tears, his, ta- his passion is admonishing people with the word of God's grace, the whole purpose of God, the whole counsel of God, protecting them, making sure that they stay on track, and at the same time, trusting in the Lord as he does this. And I love that he kneels down and prays. Now, again, I'm getting legalistic here or whatever, but I recommend you do that sometimes. Get on the floor before the Lord, all right? Not during the church service. Hubert, I know what you're thinking. No, I'm just kidding. No charismania. No, I'm just kidding. No, no. Listen, maybe God, maybe God will. I, I pray the Holy Spirit comes down and puts us on our face. I would love that. But what I really mean is in your, in your personal time with the Lord, you don't have to get on your knees. You can, you can just get, get, get down before God. Kneel down and pray. Get on your face before the Lord. I don't know if anyone here has done that. I like to do it once in a while, if I, especially when I'm crying out to the Lord. And we see it throughout the scriptures. We see Solomon going to his knees after he dedicated the temple, that amazing prayer that he gave to the Lord. And so I believe the Lord honors, honors that when it's done with the right heart. And I think Paul has given us a very, very good example here. So next week we'll, we'll talk about him going from Miletus and he, he's, um, I believe, heading back to, to Jerusalem um, yeah, in verse, verse uh, 15 of chapter 21. So anyone else have any comments? I'm, I'm going yeah. to say something about it. You kind of skipped it. Yeah. Ver, but, uh, verse 26. Says, I uh, skipped it. Uh, well, I did, I, keep, yeah. uh, keep watch over. Like, I am free from the blood of... Uh, yep. I am innocent of the blood of all men. And I have a note here. It made me think of... Uh, I don't know if I'm wrong, but when I read this in the past, I, it made me think of the, the watchman mm-hmm. in Ezekiel. Yeah. And that is one of the passages that made me so much, in my youth, that I, I read that passage, so aware and so much praying to be bold to share the gospel. It's about, about the watchman that if he doesn't, if he sounds the trumpet and the city prepares and they, are, they, they fight, he's okay. Even if they get destroyed, he gave the warning. But if the watchman does not sound the trumpet and the people die, their blood is in yeah. his head. And that gave me such right, fear in the sense of 
We are. We have so it's a responsibility. Yeah. yeah. We are the watchmen. Yes. And for for a, a, we are the ones who need to blow the trumpet, whether they get prepared or not. That is not. But so this verse made me think of that. Yeah. That Paul could say, "I am free, innocent of the blood of anybody." Yeah. Because I've shared it. And that's up to you. Right? He's blown the trumpet each yeah. time. <laughs> so anyway. That's yeah, a very good point. I, I, I think it's amazing that God has given us that ministry. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyone else? Paulina. No, I was just going to say, when you mentioned the kneeling, like, before when I was, before when I was a Roman Catholic, like, all my life, like, I would kneel legalistically, not knowing, like I, like I knew, like you knew because it's before the Lord, but I didn't have a heart, you know. You just did it because yes. it's a legal thing, you know. Yeah. Actually, it's everybody. Exactly, but now, like once, I'm sure, like former Catholics, we all got saved. It has a totally different meaning. It's so humbling actually to do it, you know. And just exactly what you said, like I've done all my life, not thinking like mm-hmm. I, you know, was kind of like this. I just had to do it, you know, and now when you think about it, it's very humbling. And you didn't want to do it in the cabinet. You were like, oh, I got to kneel again. Right, right. And then, like, every time I had to kneel, like, oh my gosh. And now when you kneel, like, you even want to feel the pain because the Lord went yeah. you know, through the whole carrying the cross and dying mm. on the cross. And now I'm just thinking when, when, you know, when it's on my heart to kneel, like, I want to feel the pain, you know. Mm-hmm. It's so weird, but yeah. it's like, like I don't want to even do it on the carpet. I, no, I'm not coming legalistic. Right. It doesn't matter, but like when I feel the pain. Like, yeah. Well, when you're I'm 50, scared. talk to me about that kneeling. Yeah. <laughs> now you're all like, oh, I could go right on the wood. Like my son, he could run and, and dive on the hardwood floor on his knees and slide. And I'm like, At that point, I'm gonna get <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, that's great. Great insight. Yeah, Ant. Um, you were saying like some pastors they promote too much of like the loving side of the gospel. Is there a such thing as going on the other side, like only talking about God's judgment and stuff? Yeah, yeah. There's a. I think there's a. Uh, there's a danger error error on either side. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, listen. There's some times where there's passages that the whole sermon the sermon may be about judgment. You know, um, but if I'm pounding that every single week. Every single week, the sheep will get bruised and wounded and, and feel like the shepherd is not really giving, you know, he's not giving them the right thing. Is the shepherd my friend or is he, you know? But the thing is, is that you have to be balanced, you know? And uh, there's obviously the, the real shock and awe type of preachers, churches, and even outreaches. And <clears throat> I don't know. It's hard, to, it's hard to say, but you definitely have to be balanced. Why, have you experienced the other side of it? Yeah. I've been to those churches that are like cultic and very rigid and stuff, and uh, it was just straight from the Bible, no joy, a lot of judgment, and just promoting their doctrine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I felt very sick to my stomach afterwards. Yeah, yeah, you know, if you're here in the same like the 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 one church, um, I forget what the name of it is, Church of uh, the Church of Christ. Are they the ones that require baptism to be saved? And so that's like every sermon is about like you you got to be saved. You got to get baptized and you have to do this baptism with us and uh, with this denomination. And then it just becomes like and then you could 
your antlers can go up or your antennas can go up and, uh, and you could sense that stuff. So not, we're not perfect, but at the same time, there has to be a consistency, uh, a balance, whether you're preaching topically or whether you're preaching uh, expositionally through. appreciate that here it's done it has been done so well so that when our kids go out Izzy was just sharing she had uh, um, the, their pastor up there invited um, their church family opened up people opened up their homes for lunch for the college kids gotcha. and she went um, with friends to the pastor's house and he was having a conversation with them we were talking talking and started talking about anything at the school that they encountered, te- you know, teaching-wise that just theologically that yeah. they didn't agree. And as he was spotting stuff, they were all talking, and in particular the Gospel of John uh, class that she had, where she sensed that the professor had this sort of that you wouldn't everyone safe sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, but she she didn't speak up too much in the class, and she thought I must be the only one. Yeah. Or the guy. A senior that was also in the class, and he was like, "No, you weren't kids in the class." Well, no, you definitely. He definitely had those preaching those vibes. Yeah. And then they mentioned um, uh, there was something else. Oh, uh, one of our other professors has this. He he's always saying like, "We can't, uh, you can't condemn other denominations, other other Christians in their thinking." But. She was like, well, but if they're wrong, they're wrong. Like, right. You can't, you know, certain things, yeah. yeah. There are certain things, like, if they're just clearly not biblical, right. then, yeah, you have we to have say, to. Yeah. that's not the way, you know. That's and it's not condemning. It's like... Right, the criticism. Yeah, like, like so yeah. Open, right. So, like, every, you know. So, the pastor was, like, um, upset for them, and he brought up this verse and another verse about uh, not being stumbling blocks for little children. Yeah, you know? yeah. And he was... Um, he, you know, he just told them all that he would be praying for them to continue to seek wisdom. But, but when you have good teaching, then when you hear something, right. it's a contrast. Like you just said it just stirred in your yeah. heart to just say, "Well, that's not right. That doesn't sound right." Yeah, I'm going to go and, and search. I'm gonna, yeah, you know, yeah. Think of that, so you don't just blindly follow it. Amen. So it's so important to have that. It's so important to for you yourself. That's what's yeah. so easy. So, you know, you have to be in the Word as well, so you can Amen. spot it. You know. And, you have to. And then you know when you're getting good teaching. Yeah, not, yeah. You know? so. Very good. All right. Anyone else? Jared? Does that mean you're, does that mean that's a choice? Yeah. All right. Cool. Congratulations, Sean Hopkins. There we go. Awesome. Yeah. Very good. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. With that said, we'll 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 close. Pray.